Hey there, thanks for joining us for Market Sense. I'm Jim Armstrong with Fidelity. 2023 is off and running. While inflation may be cooling, higher prices are still nagging and the possibility of a recession looming. So if you're thinking about making some financial resolutions for this coming year, or you're wondering how maybe you can stick to the ones you've already made, you'll want to stay with us. We've got a great lineup of panelists who can help you make the most of those potential resolutions. To get our big markets picture today, we are happy to be joined as often we are by Urian Timmer, Fidelity's Director of Global Macro. He's got some insights into how to stay on track with your financial resolutions in 2023. And we're also going to be talking with Leanna Davini. She's a Massachusetts-based branch leader who has spent years working with people one-on-one uh, talking about financial planning. And we are also very excited to have Stacey Watson back with us again, her return trip here to Market Sense. She's the head of life events here at Fidelity, and she's part of the team who conducted Fidelity's most recent financial resolutions study. Thank you all three of you for making time to be with us today. Excited to be here. Yeah, nice to see you all. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Hey, so today is uh, Tuesday, the 31st of January. And Yurian, let's let's start with you if we could. Of course, one of the things, one of the things making headlines this week is, is the Fed's uh, upcoming meeting where we're expecting another rate hike relatively small in comparison to the ones we've seen recently arguably necessary to tame inflation. I'd love to hear your latest thinking on whether or not the Fed's actions could trigger a recession or the, or the so-called hard landing. What are you seeing there? Well, so the Fed has gone from the stage of just front-loading a lot of big rate hikes, and in part it did that because it really waited too long to raise rates in the first place. Uh, but we're at four and three eighths now, presumably going to four and five eighths if the Fed does 25 basis points, which is what's generally expected. So we will have gone from zero to four and five eighths, uh, presumably on our way to five-ish, uh, give or take a quarter point or so, in the coming month or two. And then really at that point, the next chapter begins because then we have to figure out how long the Fed will stay there, right? So at least we're kind of past the point where we were last year where the Fed kept moving the goalposts. It kept, you know, we kept thinking, okay, the Fed's going to go to three and a half. No, it's going to be four. No, it's going to be four and a half because inflation proved to be a much bigger problem than certainly most people expected. Uh, the good news, of course, is that inflation is starting to come down. We, it peaked, the CPI peaked at a 9% increase last June. We're down to around 5 6%. The PCE which is another version of an inflation measure is, is, is below five. So the good news is that it's working. The inflation is starting to come down. But at the same time, the economy, parts of it at least, are starting to slow. And we are, we're now in the midst of uh, fourth quarter earnings season. And earnings season has been okay so far. 70% of companies beating estimates by about two percentage points. But when you look at the estimates going forward, uh, they are starting to soften. So you know, per your question, the, the big question that we're all asking here in the markets is, has the Fed already done so much that a recession becomes the likely outcome? And when you look at the shape of the yield curve, the difference between short rates and long rates, you look at how far the Fed uh, has raised rates beyond what would be considered a neutral policy, which is around 3%. You look at past cycles and, you know, recessions have happened as a result. Um, and so, but even then, you know, the conversation isn't over because you can say, okay, the Fed is creating a recession, which is, it has often done in the past because the Fed has very 
blunt instruments, uh, rates, balance sheet, um, with very much forward-looking implications. And it's setting policy, looking in the rearview mirror at what inflation has done. So it's a very inexact science, prone to policy errors. And the market, I think, you know, uh, reasonably uh, is saying that that could happen again. But even if you knew all of that, it still doesn't necessarily tell you what the markets are going to do, because the markets always discount the future. The market, of course, sees what the yield curve is doing. It knows what the Fed is doing. And so the market already knows a lot of this. And therefore, it is not as simple as saying, well, we're going to have a recession. Therefore, you need to sell everything. Like it, That's not how the markets work, because the markets are always anticipating. So the big news this week, of course, the Fed today, um, I'm looking for language that will tell us how long, not how far the Fed is going to go, because I think the market has a good sense that it'll be around five. But really, the big thing will be how long will it stay up there before it eventually returns back to a neutral policy? Thank you for that for that uh, background there. And I think that's a great segue into a couple of questions that we have for Stacy this week, who's really she and her team have or try to have their finger on the pulse of, of customers and what they're thinking and feeling when it comes to their own finances. And against Stacy, the backdrop of everything Urian just explained there, uh, looming recession, inflation that pretty much characterized for a lot of us all of 2022. Uh, I, I can't imagine a way we would have escaped it, everything from, from gasoline to eggs to housing, right? I'm, I'm going to assume that your most recent study probably didn't detect a ton of optimism uh, among consumers. Yeah, you're, you're right, Jim. I mean, people are really hurting. And in this most recent financial resolution study that we did, more than a third of Americans said they're worse off yeah. this year than they were last year. And that record high inflation is very much top of mind for them, as well as the economic uncertainty um, that Urian was just talking about. And I would say in terms of resolutions, Overall, Americans are proceeding with caution and they're being very practical in the resolutions that they're making. Um, they're building up their emergency savings or maybe they're um, paying down their debt. But for the first time in the 14 years that we've been doing this study, more people are saving for the short term than the long term. And I think you know the thing that we need to think about though is it's a balance, right? There's a you can focus a little bit on the here and now, a little bit on the long term, because really, like fulfilling your dreams is what makes everything all worth it. I feel like, and and I just I guess I have a tendency to be more of an optimist than pessimist, but I feel like that that makes sense, right, Stacey? That's a really practical, concrete way to address the concerns going on around us that we that we can't control. Yeah, and that's part of why we're referring to 2023 as the year of living sensibly. Uh, but I would say it is New Year's, uh, still January, and um, a financial resolution is really a great way to kickstart your year. And that's probably why seven in 10 Americans are making one this year. And the types of resolutions that people are making are similar to what we've seen <clears throat> in studies in the past. Save more, spend less, and pay down debt. Uh, and to really stick to any resolution, the key is to make sure that your goal is clear and specific and realistic, and then to set aside a specific amount every month so that you can really track your progress and watch small changes add up. Uh, the, the last thing I would say is don't be afraid to ask for help. 
Uh, New Year's is a great time to reach out to a financial advisor. And we also have a lot of really great online tools uh, that are free that can help you create a plan. Excellent, excellent reminder there, Stacey. Thank you for that. Uh, as, as a matter of fact, we uh, took to the streets of Boston not too long ago to talk to, to people, to investors, just like folks watching and listening right now to hear what they had to say and what they were thinking uh, about the new year and their finances. So let's have a listen. Hi, I'm Allie Donnelly. We've hit the streets of Boston to check in with people on the economy, their finances, and what money resolutions they're making for the uncertainty of 2023. are you feeling about your personal finances? Not good. It's pretty crazy. It's a lot. I don't like that daily stress of my life. You know, just... We get it. According to Fidelity's 2023 New Year's Financial Resolution Study, Americans are feeling less than optimistic about the year ahead. More than a third say they're in a worse financial situation than last year, and only 65% think they'll be better off in the coming year. I am affected by it like everybody else. Grocery stores, much more expensive, but we can't look at it in isolation. It's a worldwide problem. It's global. Though fear of political uncertainty, unexpected expenses, and recession are significant concerns, Americans pointed to inflation as their top financial setback of 2022. Food, food's really expensive. I did not expect it to be that bad. The rent is too damn high. No idea what the financial stability of the future is going to be, but you know, can't let that bring you down. About half of the people in the Fidelity survey say they'll try and live sensibly in the new year or plan ahead. Positive strategies echoed by the people we talked with. So what changes have you made? Like cutting back, like, you know, do more sandwiches instead of cook meals all the time. You know, and working from home really helps. Nearly half of people who say they'll set new year financial resolutions say they'll be more conservative. 53% will focus on shorter-term goals like paying down credit card and other debt, building emergency savings, and planning for big-ticket items, while fewer people will focus on long-term goals like retirement, college savings, and health care. It's just like trying to fight inflation, um, but trying to do that through investing, so doing my best. I know every, everybody's hurting. I'm just kind of making sure that I have, you know, that cash on hand just in case. On the streets of Boston, I'm Allie Donnelly. Talk to you soon. Liana, I'd love to get your thoughts on, on what we all just heard here, uh, real concerns, real questions that people have. I know we mentioned this off the top, you and your team certainly meet with people just like that literally almost every day of, of the week, right? Um, how do you help them get their heads around any challenges or resolutions that they might have financially in the new year? Yeah, absolutely. And we do. And it, and it was a really impactful clip to hear the concerns. And that's what we're hearing day in and day out. And it's nothing new. You know, things are expensive. There's a lot of uncertainty out there. So when we help our clients, it really does come down to first understanding what the goal is, really, what are we planning for? So then we can help create the plan to help reach those goals. So I always say it first comes down to the what, and then we can get to the how we're going to accomplish it. So just to say again, making your goal really specific. I know Stacy just alluded to this as a result of the study as well. And then we can reinforce that specific goal with some analysis, resource tools, and putting a plan together. So, you know, for example, we're also hearing a lot on setting up that emergency fund. We want to say, okay, I want to have three to six months worth of my expenses in a savings fund, liquid savings. How do I get there? Well, we might automate savings. We might have to pay down debt to get there, all ways that we can help our clients. 
I want to also ask you about the idea of setting aside time to discuss finances. We had a webcast a while ago that had some great information about, about partners, husbands, and wives doing just that. And so my wife and I actually adopted that after that webcast. We now have designated time where we sit down, we review our finances, and I found it to be pretty helpful, actually. I love that you're doing it because life is really busy and we don't spend enough time together talking about our finances. And I can't tell you how many times clients will come in, you know, with their spouse saying, I want to retire in a couple of years, but I haven't looked at this in decades. We haven't talked about it in decades and I think I'm on track, but can you let me know and validate that we are? Um, So I'd say absolutely like pre-committing and doing some financial housekeeping is really important. So you could set a date on the calendar have the conversation. Communication is key and also bringing loved ones into the conversation as well. And what I hear too, is this really allows many to understand some of the natural biases we may have or our money personalities. So just as an example, in many relationships, one's a spender, one's a saver. So it's kind of talking through that together and getting a plan in place. uh, We can find really helpful. And then you get those healthy habits together. So now we're going to put together a savings plan. We're going to automate it. We're going to use tools in this meeting, like Jim, if you're having that with your wife, you know, every so often, well, let's take a look and make sure we're still on track. So that's what we would recommend. Love it. Thank you for that. Uh, Yuri, I wanted to ask you a question based on what, what both Stacey and Leanna were talking about there, just in terms of of the lack of certainty, the the unsurety of what's happening in the markets. It's it's January 31st right now, and, and the month isn't over, but it, it looks like it's going to be an up month for stocks. And there's that that saying, as January as goes January, so goes the year, meaning if January's up, maybe the full year could be up. I don't want to jinx anything, but uh, what do you think about that idea that uh, of a so-called January barometer? Yes. So the January barometer is a very well known um, and we can actually bring it all the way back to the first week of January. So there's a there's an adage that says if the first week of January is positive, then the whole month will be positive. And then if the month is positive, the rest of the year will be positive. And that's called, as you as you mentioned, the January barometer. And, you know, part of my job and, and I followed that for many, many years. And part of my job is to kind of always do a, a gut check saying, is that actually true? Or is it, yeah. you know, just a, just a, a, a market myth? And so um, it's a little bit of both. So it is the end of January. It is going to be a good month. Um, and, um, and, and historically, that has had favorable implications for the rest of the year. And if January was a negative month, it would have unfavorable implications. But here's the rub. Uh, that's true for any month of the year. And so I've back tested this. So any month when it's positive, the rest, you know, the next 11 months are likely to be positive. And basically all I'm saying here, all that means is that markets tend to be in trends, right? The market tends to tend to trend and a trend in motion tends to stay in motion. I forget if that was Newton or whoever that was who said that. And so all this means is that markets tend to move in trends and that the trend currently is up since October. Uh, Doesn't mean it's going to continue. Of course, there's no promises that you only have probabilities. But so I think there are some reason to be optimistic um, based on the performance of January, but it has nothing to do with January. It could be March or April or August, uh, and we we could be saying the same thing. So that's the Jan- January barometer demystified. 
I will take it as a little bit of, of potential good news. That's great. But I also just love Yuri and the idea of just a bit of context there. We can take our heads up for a second, stop focusing maybe on today's headlines and look back at, at a month or the potential for a year. So so thank you for that. Hey, Leanna and Stacy, before we go, would love to, to hear from you against, again, the backdrop of what Yuri was just saying. Uh, Americans still facing uh, rising inflation, concerns about mounting debt. What are some concrete ways that they might start to think about achieving better financial wellness in 2023? I'll start. So um, just, I think a lot of us uh, will feel good and financially well, uh, kind of two areas. So first, taking a look at your emergency fund, at your cash and savings so that when life gets in the way that we have that, and it can really put us in one step in the right direction there. And then in today's rate environment, making sure that you're taking advantage of some of those competitive yields out there, getting a return on your cash. Uh, so if it's just sitting there and it's growing little by little and it's safe, you know that's a great way to kind of set you up for success, that power of compounding. And then outside of an emergency fund, investing is a way to combat inflation over time. We've spent countless hours together on MarketSense sharing about the ways um, inflation is can, can hinder our buying power, but investing in that diversified portfolio aligned to the goals that you have can help that. Hey, Leanna, that's great. And, and what I would add to that is if you can swing it, Saving a little bit more or paying down debt, even in small amounts, can really make a big difference, not only on your financial well-being, but on your emotional well-being. And then the, the second thing I would say is if you can uh, make an additional payment on a loan or if you can shop around for a lower interest rate, that can also really help. Yeah, great, great pieces of wisdom there. Thank you for that. And it's getting harder and harder to find those low interest rates. So shopping around definitely makes sense. Thank you for that. Uh, thank all three of you actually for taking the time to be with us today. Uh, for folks in the audience, we'd love uh, to hear from you. We covered a slightly different topic today, the idea of financial wellness and financial resolution. So if you're watching right now on Fidelity's website, you'll actually find a real quick survey just underneath this video. If you could fill that out and let us know what you thought of today's episode. And there's also an opportunity to, to share what you think about some other potential future topics that might be of interest to you. Uh, we'd really appreciate you taking the time to do that. But again, the survey is only available if you happen to be watching right now uh, on Fidelity's website. As always, though, for everybody, if you've got questions about making your financial plan or staying on track or building some resolutions for 2023 or figuring out how to adapt to the shifting world around you, Fidelity is here to help. You can go online, uh, give us a call, visit our website, uh, download our app, uh, tons of ways to continue to learn more and to reach out and contact us. Again, tremendous thanks uh, today to Fidelity's Yuri and Timmer, Leanna Davini, and Stacey Watson. Everybody, thank you and have a great week. Fidelity Investments 2023 Financial Resolution Study Methodology. This study presents the findings of a national online survey consisting of 3,020 adults 18 years of age and older. The generations are defined as baby boomers, ages 58 to 76, Gen X, ages 42 to 57, millennials, ages 26 to 41, and Gen Y, ages 18 to 25. Although this generation has a wider range, we only surveyed adults for the purpose of the survey. Interviewing for this caravan survey was conducted October 17th through 23, 2022 by Big Village, which is not affiliated with Fidelity Investments. The results of this 
the survey may not be representative of all adults meeting the same criteria as those surveyed for the study. Information presented herein is for discussion and illustrative purposes only and is not a recommendation or an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Views expressed are as of 12-8-22 and 1-31-23 based on the information available at that time and may change based on market and other conditions. Unless otherwise noted, the opinions provided are those of the speakers and not necessarily those of Fidelity Investments or its affiliate. Fidelity does not assume any duty to update any of the information. This podcast is intended for U.S. persons only and is not a solicitation for any Fidelity product or service. This podcast is provided for your personal non-commercial use and is the copyrighted work of FMR LLC. You may not reproduce this podcast in whole or in part in any form without the permission of FMR LLC. To the extent any investment information in this material is deemed to be a recommendation, it is not meant to be impartial investment advice or advice in a fiduciary capacity and is not intended to be used as a primary basis for you or your client's investment decisions. Fidelity and its representatives may have a conflict of interest in the products or services mentioned in this material because they have a financial interest in them and receive compensation directly or indirectly in connection with the management, distribution, or servicing of these products or services, including Fidelity funds, certain third-party funds and products, and certain investment services. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. The value of your investment will fluctuate over time and you may gain or lose money. Diversification and or asset allocation do not ensure a profit or protect against loss. Stock markets are volatile and can fluctuate significantly in response to company, industry, political, regulatory, market, or economic development. Investing in stock involves risk, including the loss of principal. Foreign markets can be more volatile than U.S. markets due to increased risks of adverse issuer, political, market, or economic development, all of which are magnified in emerging markets. These risks are particularly significant for investments that focus on a single country or region. In general, the bond market is volatile, and fixed income securities carry interest rate risk. As interest rates rise, bond prices usually fall and vice versa. This effect is usually more pronounced for longer-term securities. Fixed income securities also carry inflation risk, liquidity risk, haul risk, and credit and default risks for both issuers and counterparties. Lower quality fixed income securities involve greater risk of default or price changes due to potential changes in the credit quality of the issuer. Foreign investments involve greater risks than U.S. investments and can decline significantly in response to adverse issuer, political, regulatory, market, and economic risk. Any fixed income security sold or redeemed prior to maturity may be subject to loss. Fidelity Wealth Services provides non-discretionary financial planning and discretionary investment management through one or more portfolio advisory services accounts for a fee. Advisory services offered by Fidelity Personal and Workplace Advisors, LLC, FPWA, a registered investment advisor. Discretionary portfolio management services provided by Strategic Advisors, LLC, Strategic Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Brokerage services provided by Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, FBS, and custodial and related services provided by National Financial Services, LLC, NFS, each a member NYSE and SIPC. FPWA, FBS, and NFS are Fidelity Investments Companies. Fidelity does not provide legal or tax advice. The information herein is general and educational in nature and should not be considered legal or tax advice. Tax laws and regulations are complex and subject to change, which can materially impact investment results. Fidelity cannot guarantee that the information herein is accurate, complete, or timely. Fidelity makes no warranties with regard to such information or results obtained by its use and disclaims any liability arising out of your use of or any tax position taken in reliance on such information. Consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific situation. Personal and workplace investment products are provided by Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE, SIPC, 900 Salem Street, Smithfield, Rhode Island, 02917.